Well, our scripture today, we are back in Ephesians 4, uh, 25 through 32, uh, for, for one more week. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Some of you may remember the, the 2002 movie uh, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Affleck, uh, Changing Lanes. Uh, in this movie, Samuel L. Jackson plays a recovering alcoholic who's finally getting his act together. He's finally getting his life together. Uh, he's been divorced, but he's trying to, to patch things up with his wife. And he's driving to a court date where the, the judge is going to decide who to award custody to. And he's, he's hoping he can show, look, I'm, I'm, I'm buying them a house. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. Please award joint custody. Please don't let her take the kids and move across the country like she, she's saying she's going to. And he's, he's, he's got to make this court date to convince the judge and to convince his wife. And, and it's kind of all riding on this for him. Ben Affleck is a lawyer uh, who is heading for a court date himself. And he, at this court date, is going to present paperwork that essentially is going to win a multi-million dollar case for his firm and for his clients. And they're both headed to the courthouse. And as you might guess from the title, Changing Lanes, they change lanes at the wrong time and they have a wreck there on the freeway. And they get out of the car and they're both in a hurry and, and Ben Affleck is like, oh, come on, I got to go, I got to go. And Samuel L. Jackson, as a recovering alcoholic, is like, we have to do this right. I have to follow certain procedures. I need your insurance card. And Ben Affleck's getting really frustrated with him. He's like, look, I'll just write, here's a blank check. Just take it, fix your car, and let me go on my way. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, no, I, no, we, we got to do this right. So finally, Ben Affleck just leaves. And Samuel L. Jackson says, can I, can I get a ride? He's like, no, better luck next time. And so he goes... Uh, they both go to court, and Ben Affleck gets there, and he realizes he's left the document that would win the case for him at the scene of the accident. And Samuel L. Jackson shows up at court, and he's 20 minutes late, and as he walks into the courtroom, he hears the judge say, I award full custody to, to your wife. And it's, it's just a pathetic scene. He stays and, like, pleads with the judge afterwards, and he's like, it's, it's too late. Well... Ben Affleck realizes that he left that file, and so he calls him to see if, if he has it. Or he find, actually, he finds him after the court case to see if he has it. Uh, and he's like, no, I, I threw it away. And he's like, please, can you help me find it? I'll buy you a car. Take me back to where that file is. And Samuel Jackson says, you think this is about the money? You think this is about the money? I want my 20 minutes back. He was 20 minutes late for the case. I want my 20, and he grabs him out of the car, and he holds him up. I want my 20 minutes back. Can you give me my 20 minutes back? And it's just this great scene because nobody does angry like Samuel L. Jackson. All right? Am I right? Like, he, is, he, he can play an angry person. It's kind of like in, in um, A Time to Kill, which is actually a very hard movie to watch. But he's on trial in that movie for killing the men who raped his daughter and the lawyer's trying to bait him into admitting it and, he, and the lawyer says to him, do you think those men deserve to die? And he says, yes, they deserve to die and I hope they rot in hell. And everybody just goes like, yeah, everybody goes crazy. 
But he's, he's this angry, he plays this angry man so well. Now, we're going to talk about anger today. I want you to think about those scenes that I've described and how angry he was. Or if, if you haven't seen those, think about the basketball coach that was throwing the clipboard some Saturday or whatever, okay? Somebody that you've just seen just, just losing it. All right, you got their face in mind? All right, now I want you to swap that and put your face there. That instead of, of them being the angry person, and maybe for right reasons, instead of them being the angry person, you're being the angry person. And more than likely, you don't have a right reason for being angry. Samuel L. Jackson plays an angry person well. We are angry people. You and I are angry people, and it's, it's not as entertaining, it's not as entertaining when we have to see ourselves and not somebody on a screen in that light. Sinful people don't do anger well. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, this is your word, and I pray that you would speak to us through it this morning. Uh, Father, we're tired. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, daylight set. The time change is evil, and we all know that. Um, but Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to, to pay attention, uh, help me to speak clearly, uh, and use your word in our lives uh, in spite of our tiredness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's what I want us to do. I want to, I want to define anger. I want to talk about the, the danger of anger. Uh, look at sort of the real underlying cause of anger and then talk about a remedy for it. So let's, let's define it first. What is anger? And, and, I'm, and I'm, I need to qualify. I'm drawing heavily from uh, a book by Robert Jones and also David Paulison, a, a Christian counselor who's got some great stuff on anger. But I want to start by saying that, that anger is not just an emotion. Anger is not just an emotion. It's something that we do. Uh, it involves all of, all, all of you, all of me. Um, it involves our whole bodies. I mean, think about when you get angry, you get, you get red in the face. Uh, your nostrils flare. Oh, I can't do that, but your nostrils flare. You get this surge of adrenaline. You feel tense. Uh, your hands get kind of clammy. Uh, think of the expressions we use to describe somebody who's angry. They're hot under the collar. They're breathing fire. 
Uh, anger includes our grumpiness, our sulking, uh, our self-pity, our critical spirit, our disgusted sighs, our obscene gestures, our muttering. Uh, people who say, I don't get angry, I get even, are very angry. You should steer clear of them. Uh, some of us uh, erupt, some of us withdraw. Um, when, when, men, when your wife says, I'm not angry, I'm just hurt, she's angry. Um, so that's just a southern way of saying you're angry. Uh, anger, anger includes uh, our thoughts. She's, she's so stupid, I can't believe she did that. Uh, and it includes our thoughts. Paulson says that when we're angry, it's like we're videoing, we video this scene that where something's happened that we're angry about. And then we play that tape back over and over in our minds. You can probably think of a scene where you've done this. Um, and then you set up this whole judicial system in your head, right? Where you're, you're seeing what's happened, and now you're the prosecuting attorney, and you're the judge, and you're the jury, and you're the executioner. And the only person that's not there is a defense attorney for the other side, right? There's nobody representing the person you're angry against. It's just you and your courtroom playing that tape, declaring justice against them. Uh, Robert Jones defined anger this way. It's a whole person active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. Let me say it again. It's a whole person, involves our whole being, active response, it's not something that's just passive, of negative moral judgment, in other words, that's wrong against perceived evil. That may really be evil, or it may just be perceived on our part, but it's, it's against this perceived evil. Uh, he says it's us casting negative mental votes against what we perceive to be unjust actions. I like that way of thinking about it. It's me casting negative votes against something that's happened. So that's anger. Let me, let me flesh it out a little bit more, though. There, there are three types of anger in the Bible. Uh, there's God's righteous anger, there's righteous human anger, and then there's unrighteous human anger. Uh, think about God's Bible. The, the truth of the matter is most of the references in the Bible to anger are to God's anger. They're to God's anger. Uh, Psalm 2, the one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. Uh, the Apostle Paul mentions God's anger just in the book of Romans more than 50 times. Uh, Jesus gets angry. You see him turning over the tables of the, the moneylenders in the temple saying, you've made my father's house a, a den of robbers. Now, some of us have problems with that. We make, we're uncomfortable with that idea. We're like, well, God should be a God of love. He can't be a God of anger and wrath. But look, if, if God is never angry, he's not a God of love. If God is never angry, he can't be a God of love. Uh, Becky Piper put it this way. She said, anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the cancer 
which is eating out the insides of the human race he loves with his whole being. God wouldn't be good if he didn't hate evil. If he didn't hate sin, he wouldn't be good. So there's God's righteous anger. There's also righteous human anger. And, and righteous human anger is, is our anger when it actually imitates God's anger. It's our negative response our mental vote against true evil. There are things out there that should make you angry. There are things that should make you angry. A lying employee, a, the fact that abortion is legal in our country should make you angry. Sexual abuse should make you angry. Murder and violence and racism should make you angry. Those things ought to make us angry. You shouldn't just stoically shrug your shoulders in the face of evil. But I, I think sometimes we kind of get to that place because we just see it so much and we're like, whatever, it's not affecting me. Um, some of you may have heard Kurt Schilling uh, was a, a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. He's not, he's not any longer. I think he's retired. But he was in the news this week because his daughter uh, was accepted. I don't know at what college, but she was accepted there. and She's going to play softball there. And on Twitter, he sent out a, a tweet congratulating her on being accepted to this college. And when he did this, all these kind of internet trolls jumped all over this and just said the most vile and vulgar and, and sexually disturbing things about his daughter. And people were saying to him, you know, you just got to let it go. People do that kind of stuff. He said, no, I'm not letting that go. And so he, he found... He kind of traced the tweets, and he found who did it. Uh, one of them was an employee for the New York Yankees, so he called the New York Yankees, and that guy's now fired. He's no longer employed. Another of them was a student who's now been suspended from the school they were in, um, and he's going to take legal action against them as well. Now, I don't know his heart attitude while he's pursuing all this, but I know, do know that from the outside, that looks like righteous anger. That looks like a father who loves his daughter and is, is protecting his daughter. That, that, that's what a father should do when his daughter is treated in that way. Uh, Paul says here, be angry, be angry, and do not sin. The NIV says, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. And so there's a little bit of debate among commentators, as Paul saying, like, go be angry, or is, or, or, or is he saying, no, look, when, when you get angry, and you are going to be angry, be careful that you don't sin. Uh, there are times, though, I think both of these ways to translate it make clear, and the Bible as a whole makes clear that there are times when we should be angry. There are two types of anger. There are, for us, there are, there's a righteous anger, and there's an unrighteous, sinful anger. Now, the, the truth is, most of the time when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about that unrighteous, sinful anger because that's most of what we experience. We don't do righteous anger very well. How do you tell the difference? Um, let me read you a, a quote from Paul Tripp. Uh, here's the principle to remember. The biblical acceptability of your anger depends upon the law which you're angrily defending. 
The biblical acceptability of your anger depends upon the law which you're angrily defending. Think about it this way. How much of your anger last week was a result of you angrily defending the law of God? Were you angered by injustice and political corruption? Were you angered by Christians being persecuted? By you, were you angered by the weak being exploited? Sadly, that anger doesn't last very long. Frequently, my anger is a result of me angrily defending another law, the law of me. I get angry when someone changes the channel, when they add something to my schedule, or when they request I give up something to serve them. Most of my time, my anger is not righteous anger, and even in, when there's something I should be angry about, I'm generally not very angry about it. I'm angrier when you mess with me in some way. Uh, Paulison says to ask these questions about your anger. Do you get angry about the right things? If I'm mad because I was expecting shrimp for dinner and you give me ramen noodles, then that's almost justifiable. But no, that's not, that's not, that's not justifiable anger. That's sinful anger. Uh, if, if you're mad because you think somebody ignored you and they're mad at you and they didn't, that's not justifiable anger. Um, I, 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 she's not in here. I do that kind of stuff to, my, to, to Susan all the time. I'm bad about that. I get mad because I think she's mad, and I, I think she should be happy. And so, I, you know, I get angry at her for not being what I want her to be. And she's just kind of going, I'm just kind of doing my thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, that's not, that, that's unrighteous anger. Do we, get, do we get angry about the, the, the wrong things or the right things? Has God's law been broken or has is my law the one that's been broken? Uh, a, a second thing he says to ask is, do you express your anger in the right way? Does your anger act to condemn or to offer help? Uh, in Changing Lanes, a little bit later in the, the movie, you see what, what feels like righteous anger on Samuel L. Jackson's part changed to unrighteous anger when he realizes he does have the file that Ben Affleck needs and so he copies a sheet of it, and he writes what Ben Affleck had said to him when he refused to give him a ride. He writes, better luck next time, and he faxes it to him. And then, and then, and then and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those dark movies I like. But it, it's, it's worth watching because you just see, like, everything just comes unhinged uh, from that point on in the movie on, on both of their sides. But what does Romans 12 say to us in those situations Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I, I will repay that's not for you. So when you get angry, is it to condemn or is it to offer help to the other person? When you condemn, do you use the words that Paul says here? Look at verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. When you're angry and you're getting ready to talk to somebody, do you speak in this way? Like, you know, I'm going to, are you trying to build them up? Are you trying to offer grace? Are you just trying to win and destroy? Paul says to ask ourselves as well, how long does your anger last? 
Because Paul says, his, Paul says here, we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. How controlled is your anger? Are you able to control it enough that you're actually able to speak words, these words of grace? And then what motivates your anger? Is it a zeal for God's glory? Is it a zeal for his law? Or does it have more to do with you and what you want and your desires that the other person is blocking? Uh, anger, let's define it again. A whole person active response of negative moral judgment against perceived evil. It can be righteous if it mirrors God's righteous anger, but more often than not in our case, it's unrighteous. It's unrighteous. We don't do anger well. We don't do anger well. Even, you know, you can start off like, this is something I should be angry about, but, but then you just handle it in completely the wrong way. And that righteous anger very quickly changes to uh, unrighteous angry, anger. Uh, anger is dangerous because of that. Anger is dangerous. Uh, ang anger is bad for us. It's bad. It causes all kinds of health problems. The Proverbs say this. And our, you know, science tells us this. It causes all kinds of health problems. Uh, it's physically bad for us. It destroys community. It destroys relationships and blows things up. Um, Proverbs even indicates that it destroys our will. This, this is an interesting verse. Proverbs 19, 19. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will have to do it again. Anger is almost like an addictive substance. Like we just, we just get it and we just kind of feed off of it. And it's hard for us to admit and to acknowledge that we're really angry. We'll say things like, well, it's just the way my family operates. Or I'm just a straight shooter and you can't, you can't handle the truth. Uh, we, just, we, 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 we have a hard time seeing our own anger. Um, somebody put it this way. The, the more you have a problem with anger that you're trying to deny, the more you're going to be angry at the people around you. Because the problem has got to be their fault and not yours. Because you're unable to see it yourself. And so you're just, it's just going to feed itself. You're just going to get angrier and angrier at the people around you because you're not the problem. They're the problem. Uh, do you ever, well, ask yourself this. Is everybody around you incompetent except for you? Is everybody around, do you feel like everybody around you is incompetent except for you? If you feel like that, you probably have an anger problem. You probably, you probably have an anger problem. Uh, but notice what Paul says here of why, in this text, when he shows us why anger is so dangerous. Why doesn't he want us to let the sun go down on our anger? What does verse 27 say? Give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. Some of the other translations say, don't give the devil a foothold. When we're angry, we risk giving the devil a, a foothold in our lives. Uh, foothold, think of climbing, and it's, you know, a foothold is something you use to get leverage so that you can climb higher. Uh, think of a, a, a war, and when a, one army gains a foothold, then they have a strategic advantage. It's hard to push them out of that 
foothold. Uh, our anger gives Satan a foothold from which he can wreak havoc and destruction in our lives. Um, there is a, a Haitian pastor who told the story of a guy who was trying to sell his house and somebody else wanted to pay half that much for it. And he didn't want to sell it for half that much. And finally he said, all right, I'll sell it to you for half price. But I get to keep one nail that's nailed in over the back door. All right? You get the house, but that nail, I'm not selling you that nail. That nail hanging over the back door belongs to me. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And so they, they make the transaction. And after a while, the previous owner decides that he wants to buy the house back. And the current owner's like, no, I'm not selling you the house back. And so the previous owner gets a dog carcass and he hangs it from the nail on the house until the smell is so bad that the guy's like, all right, I'll, I'll leave the house. And I think this is fictional, but it makes a good story. Um, he, 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 hangs the, he hangs the dog carcass there to drive the guy out of the house. Anger is like, when we're angry, it's like we're leaving this peg in our lives from Satan to hang stuff on. For him to hang rotting dog carcass on uh, in our lives. It's dangerous to us. When we don't deal with our anger, we risk giving Satan a foothold in our lives. But what's the cause of it? What's the cause of, of sinful anger? I want, you to, I want you to do something with me. I want, to picture somebody, I want you to picture somebody you're having a conflict with right now. Or maybe somebody you've had a conflict with in the recent past. And so, all right, here you are, here they are, and you're standing across the room from each other, all right? You're facing each other. And the first thing you do is you, you build a wall of bricks in front of you, and they build a wall of bricks in front of them. And this is kind of our defense mechanisms we put up when we are in conflict. Uh, the, the bricks we put up are things like avoidance and escape, often the sinful things, self-righteousness, self-pity, rationalizations for why, why we're angry. That's kind of the wall that we build up in front of ourselves. So you stand there behind your wall, and then you start shooting arrows at the other person. You start shooting arrows at the other person, and that's the offensive part of the conflict. Those are the, the words we hurl back and forth across our walls at each other. Uh, that's the blame, the size, the facial expressions, the gossip. It's, it's what uh, Paul talks about here at verse 31, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander that we're hurling back and forth at each, era, each other as arrows through the air. So, so there you are, you're behind your wall, you're hurling your anger, your, your anger, your arrows at them, your arrows of anger uh, at the other person. Why are you doing this? Why are you fighting? You say, well, it's because they did such and such, right? That's the first thing we say. They did such and such to make me mad. There's some external circumstances causing me anger. But don't you listen to what... James tells us, James 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 
James says that the, the problem in our, with our anger, the problem in our fighting is our desires. It's we want what we want. I want something and you're standing in the way of me getting what, my, what I want. Parents, why is it so easy at the end of a, a really long, hard day to really just kind of lose it on your kids and, and to blow up at your kids? Maybe it's even something they need to be dis disciplined about, but you just completely handle it the wrong way. Why is it so easy to do that? Because at that moment, you don't want to be bothered with having to discipline somebody. You've had a long day, you've got things you want to do, and you just want to be left alone. And so you, I want what I want, and you're standing in the way of what I want, and so I'm going to get angry with you. The reason that we stand behind our walls hurling arrows at each other is that we want what we want instead of what God wants. The ruling desire in our hearts in those moments is not what God wants. It's what we want. I'm angry because something has gotten between me and what I want at that moment, and you've got something to do with it. Uh, St. Augustine, had, I, I find this kind of humorous. He, like, he, he reflects on what he was like as an infant, and he's like, you know, flailing around as, as infants do. And he says, Then I was indignant with my elders for not submitting to me, for not serving me, and then avenged myself on them by tears. Okay? You guys like babies do that, right? And that's how they express their anger. We still do that. We just do it in more grown-up kind of ways. What are you trying to do when you build those walls? What are you trying to do when you fling those arrows? You're trying to get what you want. We're not getting something that we think we've got to have, and because of that, everybody's getting beaten up because I'm not getting what I want. Maybe we think we're owed respect, and nobody's giving us respect. Maybe we're trying to control the situation and we, we have no control over it. Maybe we are trying to change the people in front of us, like through our anger. And I can find myself, unfortunately, doing this as a parent at times. Like, I'm going to try to get you to do what I want you to do simply by being angry and through my threats. I'm going to exert my will on you to get what I want through my anger. When, when we're ruled by our desires, we're not worried about what God wants. We're worried about what we want. We're worried about what we want. We're not worried at all about verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Well, what's the cure? Like, that's all like terrible, right? You're all depressed now. What's the, what's the cure for my unrighteous anger? What is this to recognize it, to see it? You remember the, the, the quote a couple weeks ago from the television show Justified where Raylan Gibbons says, I never really thought of myself as an angry man. And his wife says to him, Raylan, you're the angriest person I know. And he, he didn't even see it. Um, ask somebody close to you if, you if you're brave enough to do this. Am, am I angry? Does that characterize my life? Am, am I blind to this? And then don't yell at them if they tell you yes. 
Okay? And they say, well, yeah, you kind of are. Oh, no, I'm not. Um, Number two, by God's grace, try to put this verse 29 into practice. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up that you might give grace to those who hear. When you're getting ready to, to, to blow up at that person who cut you off in traffic, um, and I, this is kind of a funny story. I was in traffic one day, and somebody flew by me, and they had, I, I wish I had a picture of the rage on their face as they were flipping me off as they went by, and I had no idea what I did. Like, it was, it was like, you know, it's one thing if I'm like, yeah, I cut you off, I understand you. I was like clueless, I'm like, hi, I'm sorry, I don't know what, anyway. When you're, when you're getting ready to have one of those moments, all right, when you're getting ready to, to, to break down like that, when you're getting ready to blow up at your kids, ask yourself, well, how am I reacting and why am I reacting this way? What are my motives? Am I trying to get what I want or am I trying to get what God wants in this situation? Am I shooting arrows to defeat the other person or am I trying to speak words of grace to them? Am I trying to speak words of grace to them? How do I do that? How do I do that? Look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. How do I do it? How do I do it? The answer is the gospel. How do I become kind? I become kind as I see how kind God was to me. Even though he should have shot an arrow through my heart, he didn't. How do I become tender-hearted? I see Jesus' heart for me as he hangs on the cross for my sins and for my anger until the wrath of God was satisfied. How do I forgive? It's as I see God in Christ forgiving me. The gospel is how you get rid of anger. The gospel is how you get rid of anger. See, the gospel is not just for the beginning of our Christian lives. It's not just this prayer we pray at the beginning of Christian life and then we move on to it and then it's just kind of, we kind of got to will ourselves into doing everything that we're supposed to do. The gospel is the power of God to change you from being an angry person into a forgiving person. But in order for that power to be released into your life and into my life, we have to come back to the gospel over and over and over again. Seeing that, yes, I deserve God's judgment, and I still deserve God's judgment, but I've been given grace instead. See, I think one of the reasons at the end of the day that you and I get so angry is because there's that something we want. Something out there that we want so bad that it's become kind of a functional Jesus to us. And we think, if I just get that thing... Everything in my life is going to be okay. It may be respect. It may be success. It may just be getting to watch what I want to watch on TV tonight for a change. And when other people get in the way of my functional Jesus, I turn the guns of my anger on them. And I've got to see those false saviors for what they are and learn to grab hold of Jesus 
Instead, the real Jesus, who forgives me time after time after time after time. Uh, some of the most um, powerful moments in my own life have been when Susan has forgiven me for something and forgiven me for some sort of angry outburst. And that doesn't make me think, oh, I can just run over her and get whatever I want now. It makes me think, that's somebody I want to love well. That's somebody I want to figure out how to love well. Are you angry? Are you angry? If you're angry this morning, take it to Jesus. And he'll forgive you. And then when you get angry tomorrow, take it to Jesus. And he'll forgive you. And when you start to see how amazing that is, that Jesus does forgive you, that will begin to change your anger. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we confess that uh, we are angry about many things. Uh, we just have different ways of expressing it. Some of us scream it and shout it. Others of us stuff it and repress it. But we're angry people, Lord. And so we pray for grace that we might change. We pray that we would see your kindness to us, your tenderheartedness to us, your forgiveness of us. Show us the gospel. Show us Jesus. Show us that we're forgiven so that we might change. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.